What is your calling? Like, what are you supposed to do with your life? And over the past few months, I've spoken with a number of people who have been questioning their calling, asking those sorts of questions, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Uh, should I make a job change? Should I move? Should I homeschool the kids? Should I go off to college? Should I go virtual? Should I change churches? Should I retire? Should I move my mom into a facility? A number of huge, huge questions that all butt up against this question. What is my calling? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the concept of calling. And what we will see from Ephesians chapter 3, as we continue our series in the essential gospel, is that the Apostle Paul gives us some clear instructions for how we're to think about our calling. And this is a vital, vital topic for anyone in this room and anyone watching online. So uh, before we jump into our passage for the day, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Thank you so much for those awesome stories of new life in Christ. Through baptism, Lord, we praise you. And just as was testified, it's all about you. It's only uh, through you that we receive salvation and forgiveness. Lord, Lord, you know that uh, when you save us, you call us, you give us a calling. So I do pray this morning, Father, that you would give us a, a better insight into what that looks like individually. Lord, you know that I don't know specifically what anyone in this room's calling is, but we do know, Lord, you give them the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. So would you guide them through the uh, teaching of this message and through your word today? to better understand and live out our callings. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse one. We'll, be, we'll go from uh, verse one all the way to verse 13 this morning. All right, verse one. For this reason, <clears throat> I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. So here the Apostle Paul, he's giving a kind of an aside, uh, like a sidebar explaining his calling in life, what he calls his stewardship as a minister of God. Now, why is this, uh, uh, verse 1 through 3, shows us it's kind of a sidebar? Well, you'll see in verse, starting in verse 2, there's this break. From verse 2 all the way to verse 13, it's this total side conversation Paul is writing to the believers in the city of Ephesus because it doesn't go along his normal argument, his normal train of thought. But he does this kind of side, uh, includes this kind of sidebar. Why? Why would he do, uh, spend precious ink to do that? 
he is talking about calling in these 13 verses because this is such an important topic. And he wants to squeeze it in there, even if it doesn't go with his, with his pre-developed train of thought. So what that means is this is really, really important for you and for me. And Paul's given us some awesome stuff for us to understand our calling. He gives us two categories, two aspects of our calling. And the first category he gives us is what he calls our stewardship. Stewardship. Paul says in verse 2, the stewardship of God's grace has been given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. So Paul here is talking that he, uh, when he was on the road to Damascus, we see that in Acts 9, God in Christ revealed himself to Paul in a miraculous way. Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And uh, through subsequent interactions with others and through God directly, he was given this understanding and this stewardship, this responsibility to go to the Gentiles. Now, Paul's a Jewish man trained in the Jewish ways, in the Jewish synagogues, but he was giving a new calling, a new stewardship to the Gentiles. Now, he calls it a stewardship. It's, this is not a word I use regularly. I'd imagine it's not a word you use regularly. Well, what does it mean? Well, stewardship comes from the Greek. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Uh, it's the word oikonomia, which we get our word economics. And stewardship is the responsibility for the administration or management of some group of people or some realm of authority. A stewardship is a responsibility. A stewardship is a responsibility. Could you say that out loud with me, even you watching at home? A stewardship is a responsibility. Excellent. And Paul was responsible to share God's grace with the Gentiles. So what did that look like? Well, he, he managed church planning efforts and he traveled throughout the Mediterranean region, planning churches, appointing leaders, uh, writing letters. That was his stewardship. And Paul mentions a mystery that he's responsible to steward. Well, what is that? Well, let's look at verse four. He, he explains it. It says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in our generations, as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is, so he explains it to us, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the mystery is that Gentiles, non-Jews, they're fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ. And then we've talked to, uh, throughout this uh, series and many weeks about the unity through Christ that Jews and non-Jews have together or any groups of people, whether at their ethnicity, their background, their appearance, whatever the case is, through Christ, we are united. So we've talked about that uh, numerous weeks. So I'm not going to belabor that right now. But what I want to highlight is this term mystery. 
Now, mystery in the Bible means something that was previously unclear that is now made clear. When we think of mystery, you might think of like a Disney spell or something that's currently hidden from us. No, this uh, concept, it, it is akin to if you've ever uh, been camping. Like, so I like to go camping. I take my son Judah camping. And, but one thing with camping is you don't sleep well, right? Um, so you're always kind of like laying there waiting for the sun to come up. And there's that moment where the sun starts to come up and there's those kind of blues and grays and blacks. And you could slowly see what's around you. That's what the Bible describes as the Old Testament. There are uh, things that God has revealed to us, the ethics, the history, the character sketches, all these things. But it is not until Jesus Christ that we have a full picture of who God is, right? It's not until the sun actually rises that you can see, you know, the campsite around you. So this is what Paul's saying. It says this is a progressive revelation that God has shown. And now we know who God is. We see clearly. And in our Bible reading plan, last week, we were reading through Romans. And in Romans, Paul over and over again, he's the writer of Romans, points back to all these Old Testament passages that points to the unity of Jews and Gentiles. But in Christ, it has been made perfectly clear. So that mystery that Jews and Gentiles are now one body. They partake in the same promise. They are fellow heirs. This is the mystery that Paul has been called to steward. It, this is the realm of his responsibility. So stewardship is the first aspect of our calling. Well, what's the second? Well, we see this in verse 7 through 10. Look with me. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. All right, so here Paul gives us the second aspects of Paul's calling. It is to be a minister. Paul is to be a Minister, and he, and he has been given two tasks as a minister to preach to the Gentiles and to bring to light God's plan of salvation to everyone. So, to preach, that means to bring the good news, and he was to evangelize the Gentiles. And then he's, the second is to bring to light, that's his second task. He used to talk to Jewish people saying, You know, no, like you still are the chosen people of God, but Gentiles don't have to uh, abide by Jewish customary law in order to be saved. That, those are his two tasks as a minister. So Paul's calling is this. His, he has a stewardship, a responsibility, and that's to the Gentiles. And he is a minister and he has two tasks to accomplish, to preach and to bring to light. 
Now let's talk uh, about this term, a minister, for a second. I think when we hear minister, we think of people in robes or white collars or suits or people with these, you know, microphones on their face. Or at least when we think of a minister, we think of like a professional Christian that works at a church, right? Goes to a special school and learns how to be like a, like a pro Christian, um, you know, and then that, that's, that's just, we don't, I don't really know what they do like Monday through Saturday. They do something at the church, you know, uh, but the ministers are professional Christians, right? Chad, he's a minister, you know, Denise, she's a CVC kids minister. Dean, he's, he's a minister. So this idea that a minister is a professional Christian is not how Paul is using the term. And it is not how he is describing his calling. And it is not how the Bible describes your calling. I say this for two reasons. First, if he was thinking of like a, a person with a specific role within the church, he would have used one of three different words. What we in English uh, use priest or overseer or, or um, uh, elder. One of these three, if he was talking about like an official role, that's what he would have used. That's the first reason. The second reason, if Paul was using the term minister as a professional Christian that gets paid from a church, then Paul would not qualify as a minister. Did you realize that you have something in common with the apostle Paul that I don't have? See, I get paid from a church. This is my job, my, my, my day job. Did you know Paul did not get paid from a church? Paul worked in the trades to pay for his own way when he traveled and he taught and he preached. So Paul's a tent maker. He, in the winter, when uh, uh, travel by sea was very difficult, he would make tents, he would sell those tents, and then during the summer months, he would travel, he would preach, and he would talk to people about Christ. Paul was not a professional Christian. Rather, Paul was a minister who had tasks to complete in God's kingdom. A minister has tasks. A minister has tasks. Can you say that with me? A minister has tasks. The word we translate minister here, it's simply the word for servant. It's, so if you had someone in that day clean your house, you would use this same word to talk about them. What that means is that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have a calling. You have a stewardship, a responsibility that's unique to you and that you, every one of you are a minister and you have tasks to accomplish within God's kingdom. You see, there are some Faiths like the Roman Catholic Church, I know many of us here were, uh, grew up uh, Catholic. Uh, they view that followers of Jesus have basically two spiritual categories: those who are called and those who are not. Now, to, to you know, to be uh, don't want to 
create a straw man. The Roman Catholic Church does have a, a, a doctrine of a priesthood of all believers, but still there are two categories of people. There are the called and then the rest. You see, the called people, they, they don't get married. They're paid by the church. They have a special relationship with God. They do special tasks like baptism, Eucharist, and last rites, those kind of things. But we disagree with that sort of separation between people because simply the Bible does not teach it. It actually teaches the opposite, that we are all members we are all ministers. Uh, we are members of one body and we are all ministers of the gospel. And the Bible teaches that you have a unique calling. You have a stewardship, a responsibility in God's kingdom and you are a minister. You have tasks to complete in God's kingdom. You know, I've had a number of young guys come up to me in, in my time in ministry and they go, hey, hey Josh, how do I know, um, how do I know if I'm called to ministry? I was like, okay, well, are you saved? I'm like, yeah, I'm saved. I'm like, okay, you're called to be a minister. You're called to the ministry. We are all called to ministry. They don't need some special thing like a, you know, the ghost of Christmas past to come to you at night and say, work at a church or whatever. We're all called uniquely. And the function of the pastors at this church is that you guys, as the members, have set us apart, not because we... Uh, have some special thing from God, but you say, hey, you have gifts and you have abilities that we're gonna set apart. We want you to focus on these things within the church to equip us to be ministered throughout the world and throughout our community. There's nothing special about me rather than you guys saying, you, Josh, you work here at the church and, and prepare us, equip us, be the coach to go out and reach the world for that we can be we can be ministers and we can be faithful to our stewardship. All right. So let so we talked about Paul's calling. Let's talk about your calling. What is your calling? So, we have a stewardship which is a realm of responsibility that God has given us. And that each one of us we are ministers. Ministers have tasks. So we have individual things within our realm of responsibility that we are required to do. So what does that look like? Ultimately, I don't know what, your, what all the ins and outs of your calling, but I can run through some examples for different categories of folks in our church. All right, so say you're a student. I feel for you students, especially your high school students, feel like your junior year and senior year have just been taken from you. So if you're a student, your stewardship is, well, it's your schooling. Uh, you, have, you have a friend group. You have a family. Uh, maybe you have a job. You're on a sports team. So you are a minister. So the tasks you must do, you're to study, okay? You're to do all things as unto the Lord and not men, knowing that you are serving the Lord Christ, Colossians 3.23. You're to love your friends, care for them, share the gospel with those who don't know Christ. You're to honor your father and mother, Ephesians 6.2. And say, say on your team, the, your, your uh, fellow teammates, you're to consider their needs greater than your own. Philippians 2, 3. So you're the type of player who is considered, hey, how can I make my other teammates better and not just make me look good? 
Hey, say you're a stay-at-home mom, like, like my wife, Deborah. She's a stay-at-home mom. Um, what is her calling? Well, she has a stewardship. You know, when I'm at work, she's taking care of the kids. She does most of the stuff in the kitchen. She makes the food. She, she does a lot of the heavy lifting within a relationship. So if we want to get together with people or connect with people, she kind of spearheads that. She has our church family that's part of her responsibility. She has uh, the school that Judah's at as part of her stewardship, her responsibility. And she's a minister. So what does she do? What are the tasks she must accomplish? Well, I know this for sure. She, she wipes a lot of faces and a lot of bottoms when I'm at work, okay? She's to be busy at home. She's to be busy, a Titus 2.5. She's to invest in our neighbors relationally. She's called to teach younger women how to love their husbands and their children, Titus 2, 4 through 5. She's to teach our children about the Bible and about Jesus, and she's to serve the Lord with gladness, Psalm 102. All right, say you're a mid-career professional. So you're kind of in your mid-career, maybe you've got some kids, um, that you, you know, maybe you're, you're kind of getting into that season where you're, you've got a little more responsibility. What's your stewardship? Well, you got your family and you got your kids. Maybe it's your department or your floor or your job site. Maybe you have ailing parents. That's part of your responsibility. So what are the tasks you're required to do? You, you're supposed to be dignified. So the gals, guys, you, at this season of your life, if you're mid-career, no more excuses. You're to be dignified. People are to look at you in a different way. As like, okay, Susan, she kind of, if you need to have a question, go to her. She's going to shoot you straight. She knows what she's doing. That's the type of people we're, we're called to be. We're to be a source of wisdom to our younger employees, Titus 2.1. We're not to show favoritism, Ephesians 5.9. We're to give up our life for our spouse, if we have one, Ephesians 5.25. And we are called to be leaders, leading in our actions and our character and conduct. All right, one more example. Say uh, you're a, a retiree. And your stewardship probably includes some family. You also have some, have some resources to steward. Your health, your health may be failing. Maybe there's some issues going on there. You're to steward your health and you're to steward your legacy. And you are a minister. So you're charged to be an investor of your time and your resources, Matthew 6, 19. You're to be fervent in prayer, James 5, 16. You're to bless the next generation, Deuteronomy 6. You're to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. And this often looks like physical burdens. You have friends or, or uh, siblings, they got some failing health and you step in to bear one another's burdens. We have a calling, every one of us, that includes a stewardship and that we are a minister. We are all ministers that we have tasks to do. Why? Why has God given us a calling? Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Why do we have a calling? It's not for our self-fulfillment. 
It's not for our self-actualization. It's not for reaching our potential. It's not for maximizing our goals. Why do we have a calling? It's so that the wisdom of God would be known. Everything about our responsibility and our tasks, our stewardship and being ministers, it is all about making God known. And it says here in verse 10, so that through the church, all of us, the manifold wisdom, manifold means in all its parts. So what God is telling us is that not, there's not a single one of us, even if we live our calling to the best we could possibly imagine, we are not enough to show how awesome the wisdom of God is. We need all of us to pursue our calling, to be faithful in our stewardship and be faithful as ministers so that the wisdom of God, as we are all living out our calling, can be made known. And in this verse, it talks about the heavenly realms. I don't even know how that works, but it does. We get to be a tool God uses to show how awesome he is in this world and in the world to come. That's why we have a calling. And, and I'll say, like, I feel like um, with COVID, you know, I know a lot of folks are, you know, many of us are struggling, just feel stuck. Uh, feel, I feel like we can't pursue our calling. And I wonder if that's why so many Christians and so many of us, we go to places that aren't our stewardship, and we do things that aren't a task we're to accomplish. And we start spraying venom. I, I mean, if you like, have ever been this, onto this thing called social media, you will know that it's just like, just, it's, it's, it's a mess. And Christians, Christians get stuck in it and we start shaking our fist and spraying our, vit, our venom on things that aren't our, that aren't our responsibility. There are tasks to accomplish and posting angrily on social media is not one of them. I wonder if a reason, we've seen so many believers go down that path, they've forgotten their calling. I think God's, through COVID, it's kind of peeled away so many layers and made us kind of look at ourselves as we are in the face. I feel like a lot of us don't like it and we look at our calling and maybe we think my calling is not good enough. It's not meaningful enough. So I gotta go find something else to find meaning. I gotta find some cultural or political or environment or whatever the case is to cling on to and bite on like a rabid dog. I got some good news for you. Look with me, look with me in verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus has not changed because of COVID or because of whatever tragedy you have or are experiencing. God's eternal purpose that through Christ he has chosen, adopted, saved, and reconciled you to him in order that you might be filled with the fullness of God, that has not changed. And do you know what that means for your calling? That no matter how minuscule, how hidden, how unseen you feel like your calling is, doesn't matter. It is eternally significant. Handwriting is not my spiritual gift. <clears throat> if you've been given a calling from God and you have this responsibility and you have tasks within that, even if you don't feel like it's super meaningful, like I think of my wife, all the stuff she does at home that's unseen, right? All the preparation and stuff for my kids who I promise you both won't remember and will be ungrateful for when they grow up, right? All those things, because this is part of God's eternal plan, they're eternally meaningful. They're eternally significant. So in everything that you do, if you do it as unto the Lord, if you are pursuing our calling, it matters for eternity. Everything. How do I know this? Say, so Josh, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. I am, those of you watching online, I am isolated, alone. All I do is stare at a screen all day and then turn it off and then stare at another screen on Netflix. Like, like my, my life seems meaningless. I feel stuck. I feel isolated. I feel alone. How could God possibly be using this in my life? Let me remind you, look at verse 12, for 13. This is the apostle Paul. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The apostle Paul in writing the book of Ephesians was literally stuck. He was chained to a Roman guard. He was literally isolated. He was literally alone in prison in a dungeon. And he had a calling. He knew his calling was to preach to the Gentiles, but he's stuck. How could he possibly be used by God to fulfill his calling? Maybe to write a letter to a church in Ephesus that 2,000 years later will be studied by a bunch of Gentiles and it would show the wisdom of God and salvation through Christ. We can, even pray, we can even be part of a baptism. If Paul would not have been imprisoned, if he would not have been stuck, we would not have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or Philemon. But it was all according to God's eternal purpose. So whatever you've got going on, and I know what you're feeling, these are real feelings. But remember that whatever difficulty you're going through, your calling is still available to you. You can still pursue your calling. You still have a stewardship. You are still a minister. 
But you got to remind yourself of this. You got to kind of get back from looking inward to looking upward. You got to get back to looking at the world to looking up to heaven. So what do I want you to do with this message, with this passage? I want you to do two things. I want us to remind ourselves of our calling. I want you to, I want you to ask yourself, what are my responsibilities? Bill, <laughs> what are my responsibilities? And what are my tasks? What is my stewardship? And how am I to be a minister? And once you kind of look to that, and how is God just through circumstances, you got to remember our stewardship and our ministry, this is not something that has been, that is supposed to be supernaturally deposited. The source of our calling is both supernatural and natural. Look at the apostle Paul. Supernaturally, Jesus revealed himself to him, called him to the Gentiles. That's something that I've never experienced. But if you've come to faith and trust in Jesus, you've been given the spirit, you've, given, you've been given spiritual gifts. So there's a supernatural component, but there's also a natural component. Think of the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul was a Jew. He was trained in the greatest Jewish school. He was also a Roman citizen, trained in all of the Roman literature and law. Uh, in, in law. Also, he was single. And these natural and supernatural sources coalesced into his calling. So your calling, you don't have to go searching for it. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've given spiritual gifts and you also have a life. There are things you're good with and things you're not good with. God wants to bring these together to, have, to give you a calling because we as people, God has created us with both supernatural and natural components. We're both immaterial and material. And so God has given us a calling for all of who we are. That, that, that means that, that witnessing, and I'm gonna, this is gonna sound sacrilegious, but witnessing to your neighbor and to your coworkers should not be the only way you think about calling in your neighborhood and your workplace. God has called us, not, no, you need to be doing that. You need to be prayerfully doing that. But our calling is greater than, it, it, it includes personal evangelism at a foundation, but it is greater than that. It's not merely personal evangelism, but it certainly includes it. Let, let me, all right, we don't have time. What are your responsibilities? What are your tasks? And the second thing I want you to pray about, I want you to pray this dangerous prayer. I want you to pray this, God, are you calling, are you asking me to expand my calling? Right, so we've got this, our stewardship, the tasks. God may be working in your heart and in your life right now in this season of the world to begin to expand your calling. Maybe there's an area that you've never gone through. Maybe it's an area of leadership. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's outside. Whatever it is, maybe there's something that God is moving you to expand. 
And I just have time for one example. There's a couple on our missionary core team. This is our core leaders at the campus. And they have uh, three wonderful biological children, but God has called them to adopt a child from India. So they've started the process. They're in a long process. Now, previously, there's, there's some child somewhere God's going to bring into their home. That one child, you know, we're all as a church called to care for orphans, but now this family is caring for that one. So there's certainly tasks <laughs> that goes into their new stewardship. What is God calling you to? Is God calling you to expand your horizons and what he has for you? Well, I mean, I appreciate your uh, attention this morning. It's so great to see you all. Let me pray. We're going to have another song and then we'll close. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so, so much for your word. Lord, this is just, these, your word written 2,000 years ago just oozes with practicality. It is as helpful and as, as valuable today as it was the moment that it was pinned and inspired. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, you know, we're, str- we're all struggling with this calling thing. It's a challenge that we are navigating. But Lord, would you remind us of our stewardship? Would you remind us that we are ministers? Would you give us strength to be faithful? Lord, may we repent in areas that we have not been faithful in our stewardship and in, as a minister. And Lord, I pray that maybe you're even right now, Lord, you're pricking some people's hearts to expand their calling. Lord, would you give them courage to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. Would you give them the community, the church to come around them as a support? And Lord, would you give them the joy of knowing that everything about their calling is all about you? And no matter how public or how private the calling is, it's all to show forth your wisdom. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here or those here, I'm certain there are those here, those watching online that do not have a faith and trust in you, Lord, pull them, shake them, call them. Lord, may it be an irresistible calling. They experience your love and they would trust you. They would ask for forgiveness be cleansed and have a new life and a new calling. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done for us, in us, through us. Help us to live out our calling, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.